Thank you for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. We're continuing in jailbreak with today's message, The Promise. We can't really understand what it means to live in the kingdom of God without understanding the promise that he made to Abraham and how that promise applies to our lives today. Let's take a look. The earth under the dominion of Adam and Eve. Says this in Hebrews chapter two and verse seven. He made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. You have set him over the works of your hands and you put all things, what things? All things in subjection under his feet. Psalms 115, verse 16, the heavens, even the heavens are the Lord, but the earth he has given to the children of men. The earth, God, God gave man the earth, put everything under the subjection of his man and woman, Adam and Eve. Unfortunately, Genesis 3, the serpent comes, the devil, he tempts them. They bow their knee, and when they did that, what happened was Satan usurped. He took man's place of authority and dominion. Jesus said about the devil, he says, the prince of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Jesus called him the prince of this world. Where did he get that position? Well, he took it from Adam. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he's called the God, small g, of this world. Satan is called the God of this world. And of course, in 1 John 5, 19, we know for a fact that we are of God and the whole world around us lies under the power of the evil one. The whole world around us is under whose power? The power of the evil one. People wonder why all sorts of terrible things happen. It's because the world around us is under the power of the evil one. The verse goes on, opposing God and his precepts. So Satan tempts Jesus, takes him up, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whomsoever I wish. Therefore, it will be yours if you'll worship before me. If there's not any truth in what he said, there's no temptation. He said all the kingdoms of the world and their glory had been delivered to him. God didn't deliver it to him. God delivered it to Adam and Eve, but Adam and Eve delivered it to Satan. Ephesians 2.2 says this, and once you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. Talking about the kingdom of God, Jesus said this in Matthew 16 and verse nine. He says, I give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now listen, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Jesus said that people here on earth influence what heaven can do on earth. 
Jesus didn't say what you bind on earth is bound. Well, who's this way? He didn't say what you bind, what is bound in heaven is bound on earth. He said what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And what you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So according to Jesus, the binding and the loosing do not happen in heaven. They first happen on earth. They first happen here. That's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we are asked or think according to the power that works in us. According to the power that works in who? In us. So Jesus said that people here on earth influence what heaven can do on earth. Jesus didn't say what's bound in heaven will be bound on earth. He said what's bound on earth is what determines heaven's actions. So don't think that your prayers don't have an influence because they do. They influence what happens on earth and they influence what happens in heaven. Notice Jesus said, you have got the keys to the, the kingdom. And the kingdom is God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. But what happens begins not in heaven, it begins according to Jesus on earth. He said that's one of the keys to the kingdom of heaven, is understanding that you're not waiting for God to do something, he's already done it. He's given you and I authority. And we need to use the authority that he's given us. Now, that is absolutely the opposite of what most of us think. Most of us think we're waiting on God. And we blame God for everything that happens. Insurance companies even say, it's an act of God. It's an act of God. But Jesus said that when you bind on earth, it will be bound in heaven. And when you loose it on earth, it will be loosed in heaven. So we need to recognize that one of the keys of the kingdom is that we have authority. Adam and Eve originally lost it. Jesus came to get it back. Now, Genesis chapter 12, a little quick review here. Jesus, excuse me, uh, God is speaking to Abram. Now, literally, when Adam and Eve bowed their knee to the devil, they kind of left God on the outside because God had given them dominion. Uh, it's kind of like if uh, you own a home and you lease it to somebody, suddenly they have got the authority to do whatever they want in that home. And what Adam and Eve did is they subleased. They subleased to the devil. And although you may be the owner of that home, once you lease it to somebody else, you can't go in that house without their permission. Is that not true? That's true. And that's what happened on earth. So God was left looking I'm from the outside in. So God said, I need a way in. And he went to a man by the name of Abram. And he said, I'll make you a great nation. Now, we look at Abraham and we say he's the father of the nation of Israel, and that is true. But remember that in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that you are a holy nation. Talking about the church, you're a holy nation. 
So this is what in, in hermeneutics is referred to as double reference. This refers to the nation of Israel, but it also is a reference to the church. God said to Abraham, he said, I'll make your descendants like the stars in the sky and like the sand of the sea. The sand of the sea represents his natural descendants. The stars represent his spiritual descendants. He says, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you abundantly. I'll make your name great, exalted, distinguished. You'll be a blessing and the source of great good to others. I will bless those. Do good for and benefit those who bless you. I will curse that is subject to my wrath and judgment. The one who curses, despises, dishonors and has contempt for you. And in you, all the families, the nations of the earth will be blessed. And by the way, that third verse is still God's foreign policy. God's foreign policy is bless Israel, bless the Jewish people. God says, I'll bless you. Curse Israel, curse the Jewish people. He said, and, and I will curse you. Well, God said he's going to make him a great nation. And Abram, he's uh, 75 when this happens. But now he's up in his 90s. Nothing's happened. Uh, when when uh, you get in your 90s and don't have any kids, you start wondering. And God's talking with Abraham again and says, man, I'm going to bless you. And, and Abraham is like, well, how am I going to know? He says, why, why Eliezer of Damascus, uh, he's my chief servant. He's going to inherit everything I've got. How will I know that I will inherit it? Genesis 15, 8. And God says to him, take a couple of animals, cut them in half, put them on altars. And we've talked about this before. When we hear that, at least when I hear that, my first thought is barbecued ribs. <laughs> Come on. But that was not Abraham's thought because uh, Abraham lived in a day when it was common to make covenant. In fact, I, I've got this from uh, David Livingston's biography. It says, as, as uh, Henry Stanley conducted his famous search for Dr. Livingston in Africa, he was confronted by a particularly powerful tribe that had tried to hinder him from proceeding. The guide who was with him explained that if he wanted to continue his search, he would have to cut covenant with the chief of the tribe. He wasn't sure what that implied. Like most people in Western culture today, we don't understand covenant. The guide explained to him that they would exchange gifts and blood. And that Dr. Stanley, as well as the chief, would have to shed blood. Finally, Stanley agrees and the process begins. Before the blood was shed, they exchanged gifts. Dr. Stanley was not in good health and he took a goat with him everywhere he went for its milk. The chief said that he wanted the goat. Well, it was a difficult decision for Stanley to make, but he finally gave in and gave the chief the goat. They cut the covenant. When he yielded his goat, in exchange for the goat, he received a large, tall spear wrapped in copper. Dr. Stanley thought, this didn't seem like a very good gift. After all, what practical use would it be to him? Nevertheless, the covenant was completed and they departed on their journey. 
The very next time his party met someone along the way, a very unusual thing happened. When they saw that spear, the person bowed down in front of Stanley. He didn't understand this at first until he was told that the chief had given him the symbol of his power. Stanley no longer had to worry about losing his goat. He could request a whole herd of goats anytime he wanted. So Stanley had to give his most precious possession. And the chief had to give his most precious possession. Once you become in covenant with someone, everything they have belongs to you. And everything you have belongs to them. In the ancient world, when covenant was cut, it was typical to cut with someone who had what you needed. A farmer would therefore cut covenant with a warrior, right? The warrior would no longer need to worry about food and the farmer wouldn't need to worry about protection because the warrior would supply the protection and the farmer would supply the food. The only covenant that most people ever enter into today is marriage. Malachi chapter two in your Bible says that marriage is a covenant relationship. Uh, when, we, when Jeannie and I got married, everything she had was mine, a bicycle and a hundred bucks. <laughs> everything I had was hers. and It was a little bit more. But once we were, once we were married, it belonged to both of us. Okay. So Abraham cuts the animals in half, puts them on altars. And, and I, I've shared this illustration before, but I know not everybody was here. So let's just suppose these are the animals on the altars. The tradition is this, the place is covered with blood. And what they would do is they would walk in between the pieces and literally like make circle eights. And they would talk to each other. And they're making promises to each other. So Abraham's, well, I'll tell you what happens. Abraham falls asleep. And somebody shows up as his representative. And the two walk together through these pieces. The Bible says they walk together and they're talking to each other and they're making promises to each other in blood. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold, there appeared a smoking furnace, a burning torch that passed between those pieces. And on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your descendants, I've given the land. And he mentions the land. So God makes a covenant with Abraham. So this other individual, notice it mentions that two, there's a flaming torch and a smoking furnace that they go through. One of them is the representative of Abraham. The other one is God himself. So Galatians chapter three, Hebrews chapter six, both of them talk about these things. All right. It says, brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant. Yet if it is, is confirmed, no one can annul or add to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. This is the occasion. Abraham and his seed where the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as one, and to your seed, who is Christ. So the smoking furnace is God. 
The flaming torch is Jesus. And they walk through these pieces together in blood and make promises to each other. Now, it says, and to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. The end of the chapter, let's just jump down there. It says, and if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So whatever promises were made, the Bible says, if you're Christ, then you are the seed and those promises belong to you. It's very, very important. Verse 18 says, for if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. So what it's saying is this. It's saying these, this, what, what was spoken, what happened as a result of the covenant is not yours because of the good things that you do. It's not yours because of the law, because you obeyed certain, you did this and didn't do that. All right. It's yours by promise. Now, the Bible says that Abraham believed God right here, and it was counted to him for righteousness. So it happened by faith. Galatians 3, 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Now, Stanley had to give up his goat. The chief had to give up his spear, the symbol of his power. Well, Abraham hasn't given up anything yet. So the Bible says in Genesis 22, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Now the test is, will he fulfill his part of the covenant? Now he's got the son. It's, theologians believe that, that Isaac is someplace between 18 and 30 years old. This is the son. And God says, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, and I want you to go to Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him there. Abraham gets his son, goes to Mount Moriah, climbs up on the mountain, and there prepares an altar, puts his son up there on that, on that altar. And he lifts his knife, and he's going he's to kill Isaac. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament that he believed God was going to raise him from the dead. He's planning to go through with this. And then God stops him. Right there, he stops him. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. So Abraham went and took the ram, and he offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. Uh, those of you that have uh, been in Christendom for some time, how many remember the song Jehovah Jireh? Jehovah Jireh. Well, I'll forget that. <laughs> the Lord will provide. And he said that day, and, and literally Jehovah Jireh is the Lord who looks ahead and provides. 
No problem you have is a surprise to God. Provision's already there. And he said, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now, they're on Mount Moriah. We've actually got a picture, Mount Moriah today. Um, Gene, with this week, we've got a group. Gene, that's Jeannie and I, or Jeannie and me. Jeannie and me. Right down there in the front of that picture, we're on Mount Scorpus, Kidron Valley, right in front of us. And then you go up, let me see the gold dome. That is the place where Abraham sacrificed his son, right under that dome. In fact, you go inside the dome and they'll show you the rocks. He says, here's the rocks, this is the place. And it really is, that's the spot right there. It's the Temple Mount. It's where Solomon built his temple. Today, that Dome of the Rock stands there. Now, that's where, that's where Abraham was. Now, Jesus said this. He said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Now, if you were to put that picture back up for just a moment, if you could, all right? Now, if, if you were standing right under that dome and you looked to the east, down, kind of, you, you can see kind of that cemetery there, but just a little bit over to the right. It's uh, the Mount of Olives is there. The place called Golgotha is there. The place where Jesus was crucified is right there. It, 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 it's, I'm going to take a guess, 600 yards, maybe seven, 800 yards. But it's not far. I've walked it many times. So when Abraham saw Jesus' day, it appears, the theologians believe this, many of them, that Abraham had a vision that day. And 600 yards away, he saw on the place of the skull, he saw a cross. And he saw God's son on that cross. And he said, in the mount of the Lord, this mount, the temple mount, it, the sacrifice, will be provided. Abraham was willing to give his son. So God showed Abraham, the day is going to come when I am going to give my son. and He's going to die in this place for your sin. So he said, in the mount of the Lord, this place, oh, here on Mount Moriah, it will be provided. Then God said to Abraham, verse 22, verse 16, I have sworn by myself, this is significant, Hebrews chapter 6, that because you have obeyed me and have not withheld your beloved son from me, King James, I will bless you with incredible blessings. Excuse me, that's the uh, Living Bible. I will bless you with incredible blessings. I love the Message Bible. It's my favorite. <laughs> he says, because you have gone through with this and have not refused to give me your son, your dear, dear son, I'll bless you. Oh, literally. Oh, everybody go. Oh, oh, goes like, oh, how I'll bless you. Right? <laughs> what all does that include? We're going to get into that in the weeks that are coming up. What does that blessing include? Because if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
right? So God swears, says in Hebrews, by two immutable things. Now, when he's swearing, by the way, it doesn't mean he's using four-letter words. You know that, right? He's taking an oath. He is taking an oath. So it says in the 13th verse of Hebrews 6, for when God made a promise to Abraham, remember, that's the promise you're a part of. If you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you, or oh, how I will bless you. And in multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater. And an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. An oath of confirmation. You swear an oath. Now, I don't know that they still do this, but I remember as I was growing up, I, I would watch uh, Perry Mason. Let me watch Perry Mason. You're old people, okay. The witness would go over, put their hand on the Bible, right? And they'd lift their hand, and I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. God, be surely, I'll bless you. He says, for indeed, men, indeed, for men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show abundantly to the heirs of the promise, that's us, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, it which is as impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope, the hope of the promise, we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, in which enters the presence behind the fail. So God, in two ways, first, he can't lie, and he said, this is what I'm going to do. And so that nobody would wonder, he swore by himself. He says, if I do not do this, I am not God. So the Bible says, because of that, we can be very, very sure. Now, we've said this before, but faith is the currency of the kingdom. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Isaiah 7, if you will not believe, surely you will not be established. If you believe, you receive. If you don't believe, you don't receive. Right? So there is this promise. Um, speaking of swearing, going back to, Gen let me close with this, Genesis chapter 14. Abraham's nephew Lot had been taken captive in, uh, by, by, by raiding kings. Abraham goes back after them. He, he fights the kings. He gets back all the goods. He gets back all the people. He gets back nephew, his nephew Lot and his family. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, he said, uh, you can keep all the stuff. He said, but, but I just want my people back. 
But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, the God of most high. So Abraham has taken an oath and he's taken an oath before God. Remember, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. You lift your hand. In the prophets, we find that God lifts his hand and he swears. He makes oaths. I've lifted my hand to the God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that's yours. Least you say, I have made Abraham rich. God swore, but Abraham swore. Took an oath. Would be a better way for us to say it today. God swore. He said, the promise that I give to Abraham is not just for Abraham, and it's not just for his natural descendants, it's for his spiritual descendants. If you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In the New Testament, there's a woman who has a spirit of infirmity and is bent over, and Jesus heals her, and Jesus makes this statement. Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, 18 years, be loosed. She ought to be loosed because she's a daughter of Abraham, because the promise belongs to her. That's why she ought to be loosed. And by the way, if you're bound by sickness, the promise belongs to you. And just like she ought to be loosed, you ought to be loosed. See, I'm so glad that you've been with us today. And I believe that God is speaking to you. And it may be that you know in your heart you're not right with God. You're not forgiven. In fact, the Bible says to know that you have everlasting life. You know, some people just think, well, I hope I'm a Christian. I hope I'm forgiven. I hope I'm saved. I hope I'm going to go to heaven. But the Bible says to know that you have. See, in fact, if you don't know that you're right with God, know you're forgiven, you're not where you should be with God. And if you're away from the Lord, you don't know where you stand with God. I want to invite you right now to pray a prayer, to receive the forgiveness Jesus offers and to give your life to him, to surrender your life. Just take and make these words your own. Just speak these words out loud. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again and I believe he's coming again. Today, I receive the forgiveness Jesus purchased for me. And today, I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I surrender to Jesus. He is my Lord. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I am forgiven, that I'm a part of your family today and forever in Jesus' name. You know, if you prayed that from your heart, God heard your prayer and you really are forgiven, and part of the family of God. Now, God wants us to keep growing spiritually. And I have a book that I've written called Your New Life. And I want to give you a copy absolutely free. And this book is full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. Keep walking by faith. Keep living a life that's pleasing to God. Uh, you can download the book absolutely free. Just get online and I know it's going to bless you. Thank you for being with us. God bless if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. 
Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is reaching the world with the truth of God's Word on and off the air. Right now, we have an awesome opportunity to double your impact. Due to the generosity of some of our partners, we have a matching gift of $300,000. We want to make it easy for you to become a partner with us. Now you can text ResGive to 94000 and select Walking by Faith in the drop-down menu. You can also give on our website or on our app. Thank you so much for helping us send God's Word all around the world to change lives every day. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching for WBF TV. Also, check out our app in your favorite app store. You can download past sermons, follow along with notes, speak confessions over your life, and so much more. As you leave today, I want you to remember, find your promise and stand on it. Because all the promises of God are yes and amen. Have a blessed week.